And when I said about the grade, she said, you know, don't go through life looking for permission. Put yourself forward, go for it, write your own rules. And that was very inspirational. Hello, I'm Paul Gisby. Does not having a college degree inhibit your promotion prospects? Well, it certainly didn't for Kirsten Campbell. Even though she's now an advocate of going to university, Kirsten's story shows that determination, application and talent will combine to bring success even in the absence of a degree. She left school as a teenager and began working in retail sales. After a while, she landed an administrator's role in the Glasgow offices of a UK bank. She was good at what she did, got noticed, and that's when she got her first big break. There had been a lead facilitator for the whole of the financial services. And the fellow that managed that said, look, the guy that's been doing this for two years, his time's up and we, we need to, to find somebody to replace him. Would you come down to London to do to do this and as I say I was always already traveling back and forth quite a lot I'd be about 20 at the stage 20, 20 not even 19 20 something like that and my husband and I were getting married incredibly young and we were having a house built in Scotland and I can remember thinking what is kind of going moving to London I've, I've got some bricks and mortar getting laid right here um what do we do but I knew inside of me we were going absolutely we were going and I, I remember the, the promotion piece on that. I was on about nine thousand pounds at the time in in Glasgow, and that, that was that was okay, you know. That was kind of I was doing all right, thanks very much. And they they asked me, you know, what kind of salary are you looking for? And that that kind of blew me away. And speaking to my husband, I said, oh, you know, it's very very expensive in London. I don't know what to say. And I said, shall I ask for double? And that felt. That felt crazy, you know, just to, to ask for double just off the cuff. And so I did. And they said, oh, yeah, that's fine. And you get a London allowance. And then so I think I think I started on just about under 25,000 when I moved to London. And then I heard that the guy that I'd replaced had been on about double that. <laughs> of course, he was twice my age, had twice the experience and, and whatnot. And it, I, I was just absolutely delighted to have the opportunity. So the money, money was secondary. I was already winning. So I didn't have to... You know, it wasn't something that bothered me, but it did make me smile at the time. Lesson learned. <laughs> I'm not sure I've got any better at that lesson when it comes to promotion, but yeah. <laughs> no. Well, so talk us through then what was the best bit about it? What do you enjoy most about the fact that you had been promoted? You just said it wasn't it wasn't the money. That was nice to get that. But what was the thing that gave you the biggest kick out of being promoted? I think that sense that what you're doing has been recognised how you do what you do has been recognised and to be taken, to be given an opportunity to move, to progress, to advance and come and do what you're doing, but do it, even, you know, even in a, in a bigger playing, playing field, if you like, do that with more people, find out more about it and to feel that you're on a track that suits you, that you think this, 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 you know, this speaks to me. And I can I can give something to this, and 
to be acknowledged for doing that feels pretty empowering, pretty liberating. So I think that's probably the feelings that I had at that time. Um, and it was exactly this time of year, Paul, in the 26 years ago, that um, it, it was all stamped. You know, it was, are you coming to, are you going to move to London, Kirsten? I remember the fellow Mike Davies down here saying, and I said, yes. And he said, okay, will you come on the 4th of January? <laughs> so I remember being in a, in a pub in, in, in um, back in Scotland with my husband and his family and saying, uh, yeah, we're, we're moving to London in two weeks. <laughs> we're, we're off. And that that just, it felt huge. And it, like I say, it felt like a, a road out, a route out of where we were. Not that where we were was terrible at all, but I knew that I didn't want to stay there, having been brought up overseas, etc. So it was fulfilling needs on a very personal need to, to progress and go somewhere else, as well as career-wise and just that. I, I guess that desire that we all have to to be able to do what we do well and be know where you're going and have the support to do it and and all of that was there. So that's when I think back on the promotion. That's what what's, what speaks to me most. And thereafter, for the remaining thirteen years, promotions came to you or did you seek them out? Again, it was they they came to me, and it's something that you know. Since thinking about this, has caused me to reflect quite a lot on that path that I was on and how that all happened. But so for instance, within I think less than a year of having moved to London, the whole as these initiatives do came to an end and structures changed and people, these senior directors of the old, you know, financial services world were all retiring, etc. And I thought, oh, flip. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna have a job anymore. But the, the same thing happened. The you know people would say, well we we worked with you on that initiative. Do you fancy coming here and having a look at what we what we do? And there was always this sense of people around saying, "Don't worry, it'll be okay, it'll be fine. Something will, will come. Some you know, someone you know, someone's going to need what what you do." And uh, there was one of the one of those directors, a fellow called Chris Milton, who ran the the insurance business. And he said, come on, come on down. They were a bit of a centre of excellence for all this quality management stuff at the time. He said, come come and work with us down there. So another opportunity that, if you like, I got the tap on the shoulder for to go there and work with folks. I actually chose to do something not so to my to my strengths, actually. And I took a job that was about doing all the contracts and service level agreements, underwriting for the insurance business. And, and after a few months, whilst it was going, OK, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is really not playing to my to my strengths at all. And at that time, the learning and development team needed a new leader. And it was, I remember looking at it, it was advertised and seeing the grading structure. And I was kind of the top of the admin grades. And this was a, a middle management role. It wasn't even the first rung of management. I think it was either two in or th- I can't remember exactly. I thought, oh, that's a shame. I would have gone for that otherwise. Not long after thinking that, the MD and, and the person who was in charge of that area said, why have you not applied for that? It's got your name written all over it. Same thing again. Right place, right time, great supporters, great sponsors around me. And when I look back, that role of L&D manager for that division of the bank was probably one of my greatest, greatest highlights in my career. A cracking team of trainers, very young, very bright. It was a fantastic time and opportunity to put everything that I'd been learning into place and actually see if I could do what I was talking about all these initiatives and how to lead and etc so I really got a wonderful opportunity with with great sponsorship to, to to work on that 
But there's a, there's an interesting paradox in what you just said though, there, because you said earlier that you were driven and you wanted to do more things and you were ambitious to do to do a good job and grow your skills, and uh, you could see that uh, the job that was on offer you could do it was it was exactly in, in line with what you you were wanting to do, but something was also telling you not for me, not your place kind of of thing. So just just talk us through that then. Why why did you? feel that inhibition about going for the job that clearly and others said it too was just perfect for you that construct of thought that i could you couldn't leap to two grades or more or whatever it was could you i just I just didn't think it was possible i thought you know what everybody went through just you know you make these assumptions in your head so I, I just never, it never crossed my mind. I remember, I remember thinking about the person that had been doing that role and thinking, I could do that. I could do that and, and I could bring something else maybe that they hadn't been able to for whatever reason. You know, it wasn't until the the director that was looking after that part of the business said to me, and when I said about the grade, she said, you know, don't go through life looking for a mission. Put yourself forward, go for it, write your own rules. And that, that was a lady called Hilda Rhodes. And that was very inspirational. That was a great bit of advice, you know, go for it. And, and I got it. So I can't even remember if there was an interview. I think there might have been, but I can't remember if there was even an interview. Let's explore that a little bit more then, if, if we can. So great quote, she said, don't go through life asking for permission. What do you think was going on in your head that was telling you that you needed to ask for permission? I hadn't even thought that I needed to ask for permission. I thought that just doesn't happen. You don't jump. You know, I, I guess in, in my head, still being relatively young, I must have only been about, I don't know, um, 21, 22 at this point. You know, it, it felt like, you know, kids that were um, skipped a, a year at school because they, you know, they were very intelligent or whatever. And I guess it, it kind of felt a little bit like that. And I probably still had some of those thoughts in my head that, you know, I'm not good enough for university. So why would I think that I'm good enough to, you know, to go for this? There's something that would mean jumping from an admin role into management and not just management, a couple of grades up into, into management. So those assumptions that you carry through life, I guess, you know, and if you don't check in on them, they're working away all the time. So it was probably one of those moments of just assuming that that wouldn't be okay. Sort of a know your place type thing. Don't don't yeah. get above yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely mm. that. Why did you think you weren't good enough to go to university? Because, I mean, by this stage, you would be working alongside graduates and easily matching their performance, probably beating their performance. <laughs> That's a big question. Why did I think that I wasn't good enough for university? Didn't even get to that point at that time. At the point of going to university, it just didn't even get on the radar. It was only by the time that I had gone to you know, I had gone into the world of work and I was on a very clear career path that I started to see graduates coming out and often be working with them or, meant, you know, helping and advising or whatever and, and starting to have those thoughts. And something else that had happened around about the same same time as my dad had, who was asked to go on an entrepreneurial programme, it was called Duro Leaders and, you know, I, I don't know if it was government funded or, or what it was, but he got asked to be on this programme as he'd started up his own business, his own engineering business, etc. And part of the training, again, it was a couple, I think it was a couple over a couple of years, lots of great, fantastic learning opportunities. And one of them was to go to INSEAD. And after he came back from, I can't remember if it was a week or two there, 
I remember him sitting down on the sofa and saying what an injustice he'd done to us that, you know, I never assumed that we should have gone to uni. We should have gone to uni. He was talking more about myself and, and my partner. Was, we were boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. But, you know, and if I wanted to do that, he'd fully support me if I wanted to go back at this stage, you know, early 20s. You kidding me? But have you seen what opportunities I've got here? Kind of thing. It would then, you know, come up every now and again. I think about going and doing a degree at, um, you know, night school or whatever, and it just felt like it was. It, it would hold me back actually to take my eye off what was happening, you know, in my career. It was, you know, very kind of short term thinking. So, I think I learned to live with it around about that point. Is but still, to this day, you know, I work again. I want some fantastic brilliant minds you know hugely privileged to be around there and I think you know it kind of crops up do you know that I haven't been to uni <laughs> kind of it's almost like it feels like some kind of confession that you have to make again I realize this is all my own assumptions and you know it's what I make of it right but I don't think it's that uncommon do you do you feel a fraud then because you don't have a degree I don't feel a fraud I feel there are times where people make that assumption about you. Well, I know there are lots of times people speak to you about your university experience or whatever, and they look to you like the assumption that you've had that same experience. And sometimes I want to come in and say, I I haven't had that experience, but it would be so um, unnecessary to, you know, it kind of would take the conversation off in a strange tangent to, to then to then say that so I, if there was an element of feeling like a fraud that's where it comes in because I haven't been truthful and said I didn't go to uni I don't know um but it's not something that I feel that I have to justify that um you know that I didn't didn't go and the promotions that you got while you were at the bank and you know as a consultant you've also in effect been promoted because you, you know you've you've got bigger jobs and, and and you've you've risen in your career there you feel you deserve them Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have to think there. Do I feel that I've deserved them? Yes. I think I think it's a combination of knowing what you're good at and sticking to that. And that's what's worked for me. I'm not saying that's right for, you know, di- diversifying, going off and doing something completely different is, is right for many people. So I think being... In fact, I remember something my dad said when Stuart and I were... When we, not long after we moved to London, we started to think about also being entrepreneurial and setting up our own business and it was just before all the the Starbucks had come over from from the states and uh, we wrote to the Spencers that owned it and to see if they would take us for lunch to give us some advice etc nothing happened with that but we were going to set up this um soup and juice place super juice it was going to be called and we were so stoked about it, really excited, you know, getting close to thinking about giving up our jobs because we were going to, you know, have to get stuck in and starting to get prices of fruit and veg from Borough Market just along from where we live, etc. And my dad sat us down and he said, guys, I'm all for supporting you being entrepreneurial, but I think it would be best if you did it in something that you're already doing, something that you're already great at. <sighs> I remember feeling like the wind had been taken out of my sails. You know, we were so pumped up to do this and then the more I thought about it I thought again it's not often my dad's told me what to do in life but when he has he's he's been pretty on the on on the nail and so that was something that was you know going in my head just just get good at this just do this thing and then years later we got the notion of the hedgehog principle from Tom Collins in his book 
good to great you know get get really clear about what it is that you do and just do that thing and do it to the best that, that you can so that again really spoke to me kind of one of these messages that confirms your your belief of do do this you know don't, there's always something over there that looks interesting or somebody's doing that or even in, in what you do there's maybe somebody getting a, they're going into to a different area in something that you already do and you, and you know the thoughts can come in oh should i be doing that should i that's the shoulds should i be keeping up no do what you love and keep going with that and that that seems to have served me so of your career do you think your attitude towards promotion has has changed at all or has it stayed the same all the way through i think it's pretty much stayed the same that i believe that or what what i've seen happen for me, for nearest and dearest clients that I've coached, is that the opportunities in a lot of cases come through connection. They come through who you know and your your past record, what you've done, where you've been, and the kind of person that you are. And I've seen a lot of people get promoted for those reasons. And that that's been the formula that's worked for me not to say that the you know the whole other approach of seeing a job advertised and and going for that going for promotion in a you know where you have no connection I've seen that work I don't know so much about that I don't I don't have so much um experience etc so so yeah what about status has that ever mattered to you <laughs> It's one of those questions that you do really don't want to say yes to. <laughs> and when I would take, teach things like um, Hertzberg or Maslow's hierarchy needs or whatever, and talk about status and say, you know, we think it wouldn't matter to us, but if our if our current title has director and you see a job advertisement, it's more money, more responsibility, but it doesn't have that director title in there, it's manager. Would you go for it? Probably not. And I think that same logic probably well, that same kind of thinking applies to me now but I must admit I love the consultant titles you know so wide it's so ambiguous it's you know it, it, it I think there's lots of um, freedom in there to to not get hung up on it you know there isn't the status of manager director etc consultant it's really open and wide and I like that so you you've You've never uh, sort of craved the, the, some of the, the some of the more really high profile um, status titles. I mean, one that, that certainly cropped up a lot in in the areas I've worked is vice president, and uh, it has it seems to have a certain extra cachet about it than, than all other uh, roles outside the C-suite. But you've never found yourself maybe even looking at at, at friends and colleagues who've got VP and and sort of felt, oh, I'd like to be that. Okay, so there, there was a very crystallized moment for me in banking where I knew, so I, I, left, I left that world, the level before director at 29. And I remember one of my directors, one of my sponsors, um, helping me with the area that I knew was in my kind of inferior space. It wasn't something that I, I was naturally gifted at, which was playing the politics to the point where I often couldn't, I couldn't even see them. And I remember this particular director saying to me, right, let, let's go into this meeting. You know who's going to be there. You know what we're looking for. You know what they're looking for, et cetera. And we had a bit of a game, game plan. And he said, just, you know, I want you to tell me what you see. 
and afterwards we'll we'll debrief. When we came out, I'd seen certain things, but then he he asked me a couple of questions about what I thought about certain transactions, things that were said, and I had zero recognition that there was anything else going on than the transactional level that I could see. And I and I really and and at the same time, I've learned from the Rackham stuff, the push pull model. And I realized that the industry I was in was, you know, as push as it gets, you know, doesn't get more, more push than the financial banking banking world. I, I think it was one of those real, as I say, crystallized, I, I kind of holding the mirror up and saying, I don't want to get good at this stuff. I hate it. I really hate the politics. And I still do. After all this time, the minute anything gets political, I, you know, I'm, I'm in danger of shooting myself in the foot because I will ease, I have a strong kind of flight response to that and so I, I made up my mind I thought no I don't want to do this I like the consulting I like I like the freedom that that gives me to move between the you know different levels of seniority and in an organization where I'm not a threat because of my title you know I'm not out to get their role or anything like that but I get very privileged moments with very senior people um, and that that was a conscious decision when I would have been coming up towards having my son right about 29 that I, I didn't want those lofty you know VP didn't didn't speak to me at all still don't you know I even forget that I have my own company I'm director of that that you know it it's it's just a place that I have to go to do my invoicing etc it's not something that I ever consider myself as the director of that company or the CEO so so no and I think that's actually been a real um, something very freeing in my career to not feel like I'm you know I've coached some people that feel that if they don't get the VP this year you know they'll need to move they'll need to go to a different they'll need to start again etc that real drive that that ex to me, I, I feel a bit like being externally referenced. You know, I need this this title to to feel who I am, to, to feel like I've earned to be in this position, etc. Never felt bogged down by any of those constructs. Like, luckily, very very luckily, I'd say. Uh, what advice would you give to people then who are looking towards wanting to get promoted? Focus on your strengths. Look at what you're what you're really good at. Look at what brings you joy. What what things do you do that make your heart sing? And follow that path, rather than looking at all the things that you don't do so well. Or you know, I'm really not good at this. You know, the, these types. So for my example of that was the you know going and doing contracts and service level agreements. Um, you know, doing that stuff for too long is going to bring you down. Before too long, it will can lead to, you know, can lead to mental unwellness. Um, so do the stuff that that makes you makes you feel good and plays to your strengths, brings you joy, because if if that's how, what you're experiencing, there's a good chance that's what you're going to give off, and that's going to make you very promotable, you know, very attractive to other people that can see that you really love doing what you're doing. Most of us want to be around people like that, I think. So that that would probably be my my advice. Now, you were fortunate in that people recognised the strengths that you had and, and you know, wanted to take advantage of them by bringing you into their teams and, and so forth. But what would you say to people who maybe are doing those things, but it's still not happening for whatever reason? Ask. Ask why not. Ask for feedback. There might well be something that you... You know, that Jahari window idea of there being unknown things, you know, things that you're doing that you're you're not aware of or they're in your blind box. So go and get the feedback, go and find out, go and speak to someone who has made the step that you want to make. 
find out how they did it you know speak to you know more than one one person find out how they were able to make that next step but find out my goodness I just only yesterday I had a a review session with my main client who's a pseudo leader as well to just look back on the year and say what did I do that you thought oh please don't do that again you know what was I doing that you wanted me to keep doing you know and is there something that I'm not doing that you want me to do so so ask otherwise we're just always in our heads with this information where there might be something that to others is quite obvious and you just don't see it that's no fault of your own if you can't see it you can't see it so go and get that information and you know hopefully that gives you some insight that you can then go and you can go and work on or get some experience in that area or get a mentor or a role model that you can look up to say okay right that's the path I'm on let's see how they do it. A big thank you to Kirsten for sharing her story. One thing that stayed with me from our conversation was Kirsten's references to being in the right place at the right time at key points in her career. One might say, therefore, that good fortune is a key ingredient for promotion success, and that if promotion doesn't come someone's way, then maybe they're just unlucky. I don't know about that. While there may be some happenstance around the specific details of an opportunity, the likelihood that an opportunity of some form or other is going to arise is surely greatly increased for those who are consistently good at what they do. What do you think? I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. We help leaders who want to get heard, be understood and to build trust. Goodbye.